0: heaven at home. Last week we were taking a look at a couple of different things about uh, about heaven, about the, the, uh, the old earth. Remember, what happens to the old earth? We talked briefly about it. There's going to be this new heaven and new earth, and that's kind of where we are in our study, the new heaven, the new earth, the new Jerusalem. But we but we were looking at what, what does God do with the old earth? That if there's a new earth, there's got to be an old one, right? It just doesn't just disappear. Well... Part of what we look at, some of the the, uh, translations say that it's used the word destroyed, and um, that's not my favorite word that is used in the translation from the original language because it's remodeled. Essentially that's what it is because what happens so God creates the the heavens and the earth and then there's a new heaven and a new earth and it's about redemption and we see that there's fire and so we see that what God does is he brings fire on the earth and that that brings to mind a refinement process so think about it this way anybody being refined here? Mm -hmm. That's what they say all the time. It's all the time. And sometimes it's like three steps forward and uh, four back. (laughs) You know, isn't it? And so, and and sanctification works that way. You know, we're not perfect. Nobody's perfect. And that's God's standard is perfection. And we know that we can't, we haven't attained that. And nor will we here. And so the earth and everything in it and on it, of course, is deteriorating, isn't it? So that we know that God is going to redeem us ultimately, and He redeems everything. including the earth. So it doesn't just disappear.
1: It's the he- it's the it's the current heaven that, that passes.
0: It's, it away. the it things pass away mm-hmm. of, of the present heaven. That's exactly right. And so what happens is this present heaven, which is up. That's all we know. Okay. This present heaven that is up, what happens is, is that it collides, the new heaven and the new earth, and that present heaven, somehow God brings that all together, and heaven is going to be, you ever heard this, the, the old saying, says, heaven on earth? Well, it's going to be a lot like that. This new heaven and the new earth are going to be very earth-like, very earthlike, but with some radical differences, some radical differences. And we see that all through Scripture. In fact, we're going to start taking a look at that next week in terms of what does our everyday life look like in, in heaven because people like to, to know that. So what does Scripture say about what is heaven going to be like? You know? So he's going to make
1: the song tower of battle. The song tower
0: of battle. What he's going to do is he is going to make everything new. So it is a redemption process. It is a refinement process. It is not a destruction in the sense that it goes away. And he, and he creates something all over again. Because when God created in the beginning, what did he say? Really he said it was good. As a matter of fact, he said that, that uh, it, was, it was very good. <clears throat> and we'll see that in just a second. So when we get to heaven, we see from last week that we're going to rule and reign with Christ. What does that mean? What does the ruler do? He's in charge. Exactly right. That's exactly right. And we are going to be in charge. And In fact, quite specifically, uh, all believers are going to be in charge of something.
1: What do you suppose you're going to be in charge of, Marvin? I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) And we don't do it.
0: But well, we have a clue because a couple weeks back we looked at the fact that there's going to be, there are going to be rewards in heaven. And so there is nothing that we can do to earn our salvation, right? It is a free gift of God by His grace. But, <laughs> there's a big but, it matters what we do now, doesn't it? It matters what we do now because we're going to be asked by God, okay, so what did you do What I gave Because does he give us all the same things? Of course not. We all have something different that he has given us to be responsible for. And to be in his will, it's just important that we do things that are pleasing and honoring and glorifying to him. And so when we get to heaven, he is going to give us things to be in charge of based on how well we did with what he gave us here. That brings a whole new light to the fact that sometimes with the Lord we kind of make three steps forward and then we make a couple back. You know, so it's really good to be reflecting on those backward steps in terms of you know, repenting and then moving forward. And then God says, "I will remember that no more." We don't take that along with us. And so we're going to rule. We're going to reign. And each of us is going to be assigned a task. So Brenda, you're going to be in charge of something.
1: I sure am. <laughs>
0: and so will I be.
1: Not sure what it'll be. And me
0: either. I just don't know. But I do know that God is going to make that determination and he will make that assignment as he apportions it to us. Pretty cool. I'm glad he's in charge of that and I'm not. Because I would probably mess that up. Just like I messed up a lot of other things. So it's not about... Uh, it's not about works, it's really about rewards. So what's going to happen? We're going to leave here and we're going to be rewarded in heaven. And we talk we talk about that in scripture in, in, uh, in regards to crowns. And crowns and they have jewels and there's going to be rewards in heaven that are based on what we did with what he gave us. And it's interesting because everything is upside down. I always like to make the analogy of the pastor because everybody thinks, oh, the pastors are going to be like big time assignments in, in heaven and in charge of big and wonderful things. Not so much. I, I don't think so. I think it will be based on what they did with what they were given. In fact, I think that the pastors are going to be looked at a lot more stringently, according to Scripture, than would be others. Hmm. Interesting. interesting. Not scary. It's just interesting. It's the same scale just wants to know what did we do with what we were given and so we'll be serving and we'll be doing that with joy when we serve today is it all joy? no in fact sometimes we serve and we do it and it's like duty oh. you ever feel that way when you're serving others? it just becomes duty and drudgery. there will be no such thing why? It's a perfect place. <laughs> That's right, because, because it's going to be a place of no more. There is no more treasury there. <laughs> Everything that we're going to be assigned, we're going to be thrilled. And when we're given whatever reward we're given in heaven, when we get there, we're not only going to be thrilled about that, and it will, it, we will drive tremendous joy from that, but we will see the joy in those that are actually ruling over us. It will be joyful. But we don't deal with that way now, do we? because nobody likes Obamacare. <laughs> Just an example. So, uh, but you know what I mean. It's, it's, it's imperfect. And we don't like people that are ruling over us because they do it imperfectly. And there it will be made perfect. So we looked at last week also at taking dogmatic positions about certain things. And, and I would venture to guess that everybody in the room tonight has taken a real dogmatic position and you've driven a stake in the ground and this is what I believe before, in some cases, before you even had the chance to really thoroughly study God's word to determine whether that dogmatic stance that you've taken uh, is um, is biblical
1: hmm.
0: so I shared that whole the whole sun and moon thing <coughs> but I have been dogmatic <coughs> talking about for years, because I was told there's no sun, there's no moon in heaven. And what the Bible says is, it doesn't say there's no sun and no moon in heaven. It says that there's no need for the sun, and there's no need for the moon in the New Jerusalem. But the New Jerusalem is not a whole in the entirety of heaven, because heaven is inclusive of the entire cosmos, of which that is a place that we're going to be able to explore, but the point is that the Bible says that there is no need for the sun and there's no need for the moon in this gigantic place called the New Jerusalem. Why? Because God resides there and His glory. That's, what, that's where the light, that's the derivative of the light, is His glory. We don't, we don't need it. Now, Jordan, you understand God's glory in terms of it deriving we derive all the light we need in this in this new Jerusalem where we're gonna where we're gonna be residing that is this place that is three point four billion. billion cubic mi- miles. Yeah. I, I, I mean do you really totally understand that?
1: Mm. Not me. <laughs> I don't. <It's laughs> a
0: you know, we're told, we're, in Scripture, we're told that you know, Moses went up on the mountain and he met with God and he came back and everybody was struck because he had this radiance about him. And so this radiance came from where? God's glory. It would be a great study sometimes to talk about God's glory. What is God's glory? What we know specifically is is that God's glory is so radiant in this place that it's gigantic by any human measurement standard, that there won't be a need for the sun, and there won't be a need for the moon. But the Bible doesn't say anywhere that there is no sun, and there is no moon.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Isn't that interesting? And so, I was very confronted about that a couple of weeks ago, and, um, you know, you gotta, you got to step up to the plate. If you're wrong, you're wrong. I was wrong. Interesting. Even after, dogmatically saying many times, by golly, that's the way it is. But you know what? By golly, that's not the way it is. <laughs> because that's what Scripture teaches, and we have to—we definitely have to go there. So, when Scripture... Uh, is that just a technicality, by the way? What do you mean,
1: though?
0: The fact that some people think that there's no sun and there's no moon, and what Scripture really teaches is that there's no need for the sun, and there's no need for the moon. In the
1: New Jerusalem.
0: Anyway, Perhaps right? in the New Jerusalem. But maybe outside of the New Jerusalem.
1: Mm. Interesting. Well, yeah, because, you know, the New Jerusalem, we you know what the size of it is. And so the, the, the 1,500 miles by 1,500 miles across. You know, that doesn't, that doesn't stand there. earth. Nope. Right? So there's, there's a lot of earth left that's not occupied by this Jerusalem. Might have New Jerusalem. That's right. That's correct.
0: And yet we know that in this cubed city. It's
1: fascinating, isn't it?
0: Because it's even hard for us to grasp a cubed city. Now, because <laughs> we think about a city as being flat. Okay? We, we go up in the air to skydive. it. But that's all, you know, we don't live there because gravity, you know, whatever goes up is going to come down. But not so much (coughs) in Jerusalem. We're not told that what goes up is going to go down. So we don't know about gravity in this place. Interesting. Because it's cubed. And so 1,500 miles cubed is outside our atmosphere currently. And so, the point is, it's beyond our imagination. And that's the point that he's trying to make. And so, is it a technicality? No. It's a reality. The reality is, is that we don't, as humans, have the capacity to fully understand the glory of God. Because, like I like to say, if we understood the glory of God, there wouldn't be a person in this room tonight that wouldn't be on their face before him.
1: But we can't grasp that. But we will. Moses had a glimpse,
0: and he came back in some way so radiant that it freaked everybody out that he saw. And so we have the point of all of that really is, is that we have to know what Scripture says. We've got to be really, really, really careful not to throw onto the Scripture or project onto the Scripture what we want it to say. We have to interpret it based on what it does say. So so we have to, of course, turn to Matthew 4 4. Because how important is Scripture? It's everything. Well, let's see what Scripture says about Scripture. Because you know when we interpret Scripture We have to use the whole of Scripture, don't we? Because how easy is it to take one Scripture out of context? Extremely easy. So if we're not careful, we can say, gosh, there's no sun and there's no moon. And we can also say, and there's no more sea. Even that we have to be careful of because the words in Scripture say, and there was no more sea. That's what John was telling us. But he didn't say there are no more large bodies of water that are affected by the moon and have tides and waves. He didn't say that. We have to be really, really careful. And I'm making a point of this because we're going to take a look at this in terms of our relationships in heaven. Because what's important to us mostly in the today and the here and now is relationships, right? Every major problem I ever had really stems from a problem with a relationship. Almost all of them. I mean, I can deal with a broken down car. That had nothing to do with the relationship. But the things that I've been hurt by or the things I've done that have hurt people come from relationships. It's really important. What does Matthew 4, 4 say? Anyone? This the answer. It is written. Man, shall not live
1: by bread alone, but
0: uh, every word that comes from the mouth of God. But on every word that comes from the mouth of God, I, I love this because, you know, we have to test all things huh scripture that's all we got because if we don't test it by scripture we're going to be testing it by what our opinion is and you've heard me say that many many times that my opinion is of very little value I can opine on almost anything I want but whatever that is that I'm opining on as long as it measures up to scripture who we but if it doesn't it needs to be questioned and so we need to be mature enough to understand that we have to check everything that we say and everything that we do by virtue of what Scripture says. So, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so, what is the Bible? The Word of God. Word of God. We call it the Word of God. We call it God's Word because it is totally inspired by God. Every word, not some of it, not parts of it, but all. And that's, what, that's why it makes it pretty easy for us to identify when somebody is speaking a falsehood, there is no hell. If you knew nothing else, you could look up God's word and you could find out that whoever said that is wrong. Because the Bible teaches that there is a hell, just like there's a heaven and so everything has to be measured based on what scripture says because it is the word of God and it all ties together so what about our heavenly relationships what kind of relationships are we going to have in heaven perfect relationships pardon me
1: perfect relationships
0: perfect relationships
1: whatever
0: that is well that's the next logical question what's a perfect relationship
1: and God had with his son. Hmm.
0: That's interesting. How do you relate to the perfect relationship that God had with his son? I can't. Hmm. It's very difficult for us, isn't it? Here's here's um here's what God did. He said in the beginning, when he began to create things, and then he created Adam. What did he say after he created Adam? No, not yet. It's not good for you to be alone. It's not good for you to be alone. He said, it's not good for man to be alone. So what did he do? He, <coughs> created, woman. he created woman. And then he put them together. <coughs> and, and so, here you go, ladies. It wasn't until woman was created that God said, and it is good. For <laughs> <trouble
1: beginning. laughs>
0: it was good because God realized... Hey, that's not the right term. <laughs> okay? God knew. Even after having a relationship with Adam, He created Adam, and then God hung out with them and said, Wait a minute. This is not good. He created a woman, and then He said it was good. In fact, when He was done creating everything, then He said, Ah... Very good. So he created mankind. Men and women for relationship with him and each other. We see it right out of the box. Relationships are critical. Whenever you see a Christian that is a lone ranger, that's hanging out by themselves, that doesn't want to get engaged. That wants to be. That wants to be uh, uh, distant. There's serious problems because we were created to be engaged. Just the opposite of that, weren't we, with God and each other? We see that throughout Scripture. In fact, we not only see that He said it was very good when He when He created both men and women, very unique very gender specific very perfect and to be in relationship with one another and with him so starting there with the picture of the way God created us what do you suppose besides the Sunday school answer of there'll be perfect relationships in heaven what do you suppose the relationships in heaven will look like what kinds of relationships will there be
1: relationship with God and with each
0: other Okay, with God and with each other what kinds of relationships do we have now same thing and and same thing. And even more specifically. Marriage. There's a marriage relationship. Okay? Right? There's a parental relationship. Friends. Friends. There's a friendship relationship. The body. The, the body of Christ. The relationship of the body of Christ.
1: Teacher to student? Teacher,
0: student, the list goes on and on and on and they're interesting and they're unique aren't they? These relationships are unique you see because your relationship with your kids is very different than my relationship with them okay now we've hung out a little bit and yet you don't think of me other than I don't don't tell us what you think of me but I don't have the same relationship with you that you that you, that you have with, with Mike and Mike and I have a different relationship than, than, than the other Mike and I do, or that, that Dwayne and I do. They're all different. They're unique. They're earthly relationships. Turn to Psalm seventy three, twenty five. I want to think about the context of heaven in these relationships, because we get very confused, because what's the problem that we have with our earthly relationships,
1: Dysfunctional. Some sins, but
0: they're dysfunctional. Hmm. They're totally dysfunctional. Psalm seventy-three,
1: twenty-five. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire beside you.
0: What's the psalmist communicating there?
1: Communicating mm-hmm. God. Mm-hmm.
0: His relationship with God. Where is he in the context of physically, where is he talking about? Heaven. And? Earth. Earth. Okay, interesting. So the psalmist here is saying, but whom have I in heaven but you? Think about that for a second. Whom have I in heaven but you, Lord? Wait a minute. I remember, this is kind of like a prayer from the psalmist's point of view. And he says, Whom have I in heaven but you?
1: Who else yeah. is in heaven? <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, the reality is, though, that this psalmist is in this prayer. He's saying, Whom oh, I have in heaven but you, Lord. I'm And then he says, and earth has nothing I desire but but you. So what are the key? What's the key word <clears throat> in this song? What's the key word? Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. Jesus is the key of all. But Jesus is the key. That's a beautiful answer. Jesus. Jesus at work. In this case, you're absolutely right. The psalmist here is saying, Oh, even though there's all these relationships, parental relationships that I can relate to and I can understand, friendship relationships that I can understand, even the imperfection of all these relationships, where is his heart? His heart is, Oh Lord, really? I mean, absolutely, my desire is for you, God everything else is really secondary. That's what the psalmist is conveying here. He's not suggesting that that nobody else is in heaven. Obviously, that, that wouldn't stand that description. But he's talking about his desire and the emphasis is on the relationship. The relationship with Jesus. Now we're confronted because right now we have all these relationships Brandon and I have a relationship Marvin we all have these relationships but the psalmist is talking about a very primary relationship how does that make us feel if he's talking about this primary relationship with Jesus and everything else is secondary that follow you
1: Why not? Because we can all have that same relationship that he, he was asking for. We each have a relationship with God. Mm-hmm. So He doesn't have anything different than we do heaven. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And so his
0: primary his primary desire was to have a relationship with the Lord in the here and now it says. And and earth has nothing that I desire besides you. So are you then? Are we going to blow off all your other relationships in, a, in an earthly sense because your desire is so strong? I
1: thought or, about it. No, <laughs> <laughs> no. No. no way. It, it, to me, it, it seems we all have a point of focus, and that's what the, he's talking about there. Is the focus set? The relationship that he wants with uh, God—that's mm-hmm. his primary focus. It is it is
0: so that begs a pretty important question doesn't it the pretty important question is what's our desire <clears throat> here's the psalmist saying oh things i got to paraphrase again things here are so screwed up Lord. <laughs> my relationships I've made a mess of things there is a curse on the earth I have to work by the sweat of my brow to even eat. And I know what heaven is going to be like because you've revealed in some ways what that relationship is going to be like at creation. And after you even created the woman, and you then said, ah, relationally things are good, very good. And yet, I know they're not. Because most of my problems in life are caused by broken relationships. That's where pain and hurt comes from. And the psalmist is talking about the pain and the hurt because of a broken relationship with the Lord. You can relate on some level that there's a broken relationship with the Lord. Turn to Matthew. The next Matthew passage 22. Verse 35. 35 through 39. See, we see here in the psalmist, we see his priority. Don't we? It's really clear.
1: In one of them, I guess from the Pharisees here, the lawyer asked him a question, testing him Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and uh, with all your soul and with all your mind. This is great and foremost commandment. The second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. <coughs> What's the emphasis of that? We've heard that passage.
0: Right? <laughs> okay? I mean, how many times have we heard that passage, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind? Okay? How, how much, how much of How much are we supposed to love the Lord? How much of us is supposed to love the Lord? Everything we got. Yeah, there's a paraphrase. He says, just love the Lord your God with everything you've got. You don't have to understand it all. He just wants a reciprocal love because of how much he loves us. So, how are we to love
1: him? With everything.
0: What was the priority
1: of the psalmist?
0: Earth has nothing I desire but you. That's hard. Because I know a guy that likes motorcycles. And I know a guy that likes airplanes. And
1: they didn't have that. Okay? <laughs>
0: they had other stuff. And we have our stuff. And there's this conflict, isn't there, in terms of relationship. Does the stuff... Get in the way of our desire to have the relationship that God wants to have with us. It shouldn't, but does it? Yes, of course it does. Because we approach it so imperfectly. Is there wrong? Is it wrong to have the stuff? No, of course not. It doesn't matter if we have five
1: Harley's in the garage. It's okay. What's the priority? Yeah, but it's not the stuff, it's the sin nature in us that gets in the way is what it is. It's the
0: sin nature that gets the stuff ahead of our relationship. So we've got to be really careful, because here we are on earth. And we've got all these relationships that are broken, and we've got all this stuff that gets in the way. And the psalmist is talking right now, relationally, about how important it is, what matters most while we're here. Just simply, what matters most while we're here?
1: That's a question. Well, you're asking a question. (laughs) Yeah.
0: What matters most?
1: Well, what matters most should be our relationship with God. That's it. That's what's being conveyed
0: here. Love the Lord your God with everything you got. The psalmist is saying, Oh, Lord. My stuff gets in the way sometimes. But I really, I really desire you, Lord. I mean, I really desire you, and I
1: don't want my stuff to get in the way. I mean, isn't that the same? Isn't that the same thing as John saying, as John that said? You know, why do I do? Uh, don't want to do. Don't do what I'm supposed to do. Now. It's the same context. The right? I mean, apostle
0: Paul, because possible. of what? His nature, as you, yeah. as you so appropriately pointed out. So, wants to God 100. percent But he, he, he can. can't. Yeah, no, he can't. And so there's the beauty, because I, I can show you <coughs> totally now, it's like the Apostle Paul says, Oh, Lord, why is it that I'm such a moron? And I go out and I do and say things that I ought not say and do. I don't even want to, and yet I do, and those are my two steps back. Oh, just yesterday I made three steps forward with you, Lord. You were on my mind all day long. I was praying without ceasing. I, was, I helped people. I was doing good deeds, and today was all about selfishness. I did and said things that I shouldn't have. And, oh, those three steps I went forward after that today, I took two of them back. Forgive me. And that the Apostle Paul. Who was sold out for Jesus, by the way, right? Is that comforting? Well I also. I mean, here's a guy sold out for the Lord and yet was saying, Oh this can be tough. My sin nature gets in the way sometimes.
1: Company is that he picked 12 knuckleheads with his apostas. You know what I mean? I'm sure there were 12 people out there that were much better than them. So that's that's pretty cool. They
0: totally didn't get it. No. And here we are in the disciple-making process. We're in the sanctification process right now. And we're all just like them. Yeah. We're all just knuckleheads. And I, I don't mean that derogatorily. I mean that in, in, a, in a way of being very confident. Because there's so much that we don't get. And it, by faith, we just keep walking forward, don't we? We just keep walking forward. Turn to Matthew 6, chapter 19. We're building up to what these relationships are going to look like in heaven. The first the psalmist is talking about having this relationship with, with Jesus. You just want to have a relationship with Jesus. He wanted that to be the priority. And then we see, of course, in Matthew, Matthew just says, hey, you know, just love your God with everything you got. Okay? Because the other stuff is secondary. It's not wrong. It just don't put it in front of your relationship with Jesus. So, we're asking ourselves as we sit here right now, okay, how important is our relationship with Jesus? I mean, if we're honest... That's a challenging question. Mm-hmm. Matthew six nineteen through
1: 21 speaking about heaven. Sarah, go man. for it. <laughs> do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be.
0: And so what is Matthew talking about here? Clearly he's talking about uh, the the differentiation between heaven and earth. And he says, okay, so don't store yourself treasures on earth. But what's what's the message in this passage? Material
1: possessions.
0: Material possessions. So, but what does he say about them?
1: Don't store them up. Don't pick four or five bodies. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say something four or five bodies, but I, I hear your heart in that.
0: But, but, but how, what, are, what, what is he contrasting those material possessions to? Your relationship with
1: the Lord is
0: dead. The relationship with the Lord is dead. And so if we're going to store up treasures, because if you're going to store up a treasure, doesn't that denote that those treasures are going to be available? Because if you're going to store something, isn't it indicative of the fact that if we're going to store it up, we're going to be able to retrieve it? Well, storing Harley's is probably not something that we're going to be able to retrieve, and we're going to look at what we're taking with us, because you know we're taking stuff to <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to get confused with that. We are taking stuff to heaven, yeah. and we're going to look at that before we go home. But how about treasures? What kind of treasures is, is Matthew talking about storing up in heaven? What are they? What kinds of heavens can we, oh, what, kind of heavens? what kinds of treasures can we store up in heaven? Right now,
1: It would have to be works and you know, things that we do. These works, things we do, absolutely.
0: Because what he's talking about here is he's talking about storing those things up in heaven. Why? Because Brenda, when we stand before the Lord, He's going to say, Ah, well done, Brenda. Well done, good and faithful servant. I gave you this to take care of, and this is what you did. I I know you did some three step forward and two step back times. I I get all that, but but this is what you did with what you had and what you understood. And, ah, well done. Treasured. When Paul said, oh, why do I do the things I don't want to do, and then I don't do the things that I ought to do. Well, if you reverse that, Paul did a whole bunch of good deeds, didn't he? He was sold out to Jesus, running around the country at his, at at what? At personal sacrifice, in chains a lot of the time, getting beaten, getting stoned, and he was doing all that kind of stuff. Did he have to do any of that? No, he chose to. Storing up those things that he was doing as treasure in heaven. Because what? That's where his heart was. So for your, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So is your treasure Jesus? The context of this whole conversation is about heaven. So is your treasure Jesus? Because if it is, it will manifest in your life. Now. And you'll be storing it up for a Yahoo moment then the beyond movement it goes beyond anything that we can imagine. So bringing pleasure or joy if you will, or or pleasing God in the in the now, in the moment because today is what we have. okay? Doing that now does what? It creates joy now, freedom. We're free to do that now. And that's what Paul's heart was like the psalmist Paul was saying, I want to do those things. No, I can't do it perfectly. But my desire is to do those things. And when I don't play like should I have be V eight. You know, he just... You know, I mean, we have those moments. I mean, it's like I have one every day, it seems like. Ah! I could have. I would have. Or I should have. But I didn't. So won't our eternity in heaven, then, just be about a perfect relationship with God, as Diana mentioned, because that is going to be the relationship that we're going to have, right? So isn't that the relationship in heaven? Isn't that what it's really going to be all about? Just a perfect relationship with the living God? Because what do we, we see? We saw that what happens in the new heaven and the new earth, God comes and lives with us, Scripture says. woo That's like a picture of the Garden of Eden, isn't it? God was hanging out with Adam. Things were going along pretty good. Except he said, no, I'm not good enough. I think we need a helper. Uh Uh-oh. And so he created Eve. And then he said, ah, good and very good. Talking relationally. Hmm. So isn't it just about our relationship in heaven with God? Is that what matters? Is that all that matters in heaven?
1: Hmm. but isn't everything centered around that I mean that's yeah. pretty much it centered around
0: that yeah. yes but is that the only relationship that's going to happen oh, so in heaven yeah.
1: um, no i have to say no yeah you're right we're not going ignore everybody else yeah. right? we're not going to ignore everybody
0: else we're not going to ignore them like the psalmist says who have I in heaven but you and Earth has nothing I desire but you. It was very, it was very centered on Jesus as it should be. But we're not going to have only a relationship in heaven with the Lord. But that should be our primary desire. Relationship's broken here, and we should be just in love with the Lord here. That's and, and growing in that love daily. We should be growing in that love because. That's the only thing that matters and if we're doing that, everything else emanates from that. Okay, all the other things that we're to be doing so that we don't have those Paul moments. Ah. Mm -hmm. And so uh, and so that's what he is saying. And so of course, loving Jesus and loving each other. Where's the newsletter? Somebody have a copy of the newsletter? What does it say on the top there? Is it this week? No. What is there? He, he, he's the right type model. Thank you to all.
1: This no, 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 no. on the on the logo. Doesn't it say something about loving God, it? loving, loving God the, the church. church? What does it say? Loving God, loving the church, loving the church, loving our
0: community and the world. Huh? See, so we we drove a stake in the ground here and said that hey, that's what we're supposed to be doing because. That's what Jesus said. Hey, what what are the two most important things to, to do while we're here? And if we can just get those right, everything else pretty much falls in place. Oh, I just love me and love each other. You'll be fine. There's a little more to it than that, but that's the that's the basis of it. But you see, our relationships might are going to carry over into heaven.
1: And, the world.
0: and that's important, isn't it?
1: That's
0: how people see it. That's most important Well, turn, turn to John 14, 23. Because you see these love relationships that we have. You love kids? Yeah, Your kids are a little older now, aren't they? You love them, don't you? Yeah, you always love the kids, don't you? No matter what. <laughs> I mean, isn't that an amazing thing? That's insane. You know... I don't know about you, but I, you know, there were times where I was a real misfit when I was growing up. I did some things I ought not to have done and that I wish I didn't do, and I, I didn't know it at the time. And I had to look back later. Oh, my parents had the patience of saints, you know, as we were growing up and doing things that we shouldn't do. And and, and why did I do those things? And I think a lot of it was because I think there wasn't good there wasn't good uh, relationship. I was trying to sneak around and do things that I ought not do, because I, there was, some of it was fear, some of it. it was all sin-oriented stuff. And, and I, uh oh. But the Bible says that love is what's important, because God loves us. It's a picture of heaven. God loves us. And so, not only does it say that, but 1 Corinthians thirteen two says that without love, we are nothing. It doesn't say we have nothing. It says we are nothing. And I'm telling you, there are people in this world that don't love. Turn on the news. And those are the people uh, that that scripture is talking about. Without love, you are nothing. That's powerful. Now they don't care. He here. You Because it's pure evil. What does John 14, 23 say?
1: Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him.
0: Okay, and he there, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Now we're transporting ourselves out of this. Earthly relationship business that we're talking about, and we're going to see what our relationships look like in heaven, because the new heaven and the new earth are populated by people that are believers that have put their faith in Christ, and they they have gone to the present heaven, or they're going to be in the new heaven, depending on where you are uh, during the, during uh, God's plan and His timeline. And so we are in this new heaven and this new earth, and God has come to live with us because His place is going to be in the New Jerusalem because his glory is going to shine there so brightly that there will be no need for the sun or no need for the moon because his glory is going to is going to drive the light in this gigantic place. And so now he has come to live with us and we see this picture of the future heaven in relationships. Because God now comes to live with us. Because when we die what happens, we go to heaven. But this is a whole other program because the new heaven, God comes to the earth to live with us. That's why I said to the earth because heaven and earth collide and heaven is on earth. That's where the new Jerusalem is. The new earth, which is where the new Jerusalem is, which is where God resides, which is where his glory is, which is the center of the whole universe of which we are going to be able to explore. And yet, what's the most important thing in heaven? Relationships. So, what will the difference be in our heaven relationships versus our earthly ones?
1: The difference our heavenly relationships and earthly. Ones? Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, the difference is going to be that there'll be no sin nature anymore, so there won't be jealousy and anger and hatred. You know, all the things that we experience here on earth. It, you know, it's just going to be strictly based on love. Right?
0: Will somebody please, in words, just give me that picture. Explain that to me so that I can completely relate
1: to it and understand it. I hope we can. <laughs> I mean, we don't, we don't even know how to love like that. We won't know how to love like that until we get into heaven. Flawless relationship. You know, I mean but we don't even know what that is yet. No. Right? Because what we consider a great relationship here doesn't even come close to what it's going to be like in heaven. I mean it's actually a bad relationship in heaven, terms.
0: Isn't that fascinating? Because you're absolutely right, because what we do is we relate to everything based on what we have and what we know here, and yet what we see in Scripture is that God loves us so much that He even sees us as fully righteous. Through the righteousness of Christ. You see, He's already there. We're not. And this relationship that He wants to have with us, you see, should be starting here. The difference is that we're going to have a relationship with the Lord that is based on knowing Him in heaven. And because, do you really know the Lord? We're beginning to know Him, are we? Because we're pursuing not only in knowledge, but with our heart, a love relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you that the church, if the church, if you, who's the church, by the way? We are. are. If the church, that means us, y'all, if we don't have a love relationship with Jesus Christ, you've got to ask yourself some really hard questions. If that's not your priority while you're here, storing up those treasures in heaven, and having everything become... Uh, a derivative of that wanting to have that relationship, not blowing off our other relationships, okay? You know, and how many times have you heard, I mean, I, I, I do a lot of reading, and I've, I've read about pastors that have destroyed their entire family. Read, read um, Franklin Graham's book sometime, if you, if you want to. And he loves his dad, Billy Graham, okay? But he was a defiant kid. And why was he a defiant kid? Because his dad didn't pay attention to him he was so busy about the business of ministry he blew off his family and of course they have a relationship now and they have that for a, for a long time in a year but the point is they're both willing to talk about that mistake even a well we're talking Billy Graham here held up on a very, at a very high standard right and even on a pet inappropriately inappropriate and so but, but ministry got in the way of having a relationship with his kids are you kidding me that's wrong on every level That's wrong on every level. And he just didn't know it at the time. Because he was being sanctified just like us. So, we see that we're going to have these relationships in heaven. And the relationship, the first relationship that we're going to have is the relationship with the Lord. And the Bible tells us that that ought to be the thing that we're according to Colossians chapter 3. That ought to be the things that we're focused on. Focus your mind on the things above. That's where Jesus is, where he's gone to prepare this place. And we're learning about what this place is going to look like. And so, we're going to be taking some things with us to heaven. What are the things that we're going to be taking? It might be the Harley. Or the smart car. Or the Thunderbird. Or the bike. The airplane. Nothing physical is going with us. Because we got here with nothing an physical, and we're leaving the exact same way. Like my dad used to say, broke and naked. As it should be. But what
1: are we taking? Our spirit and our soul.
0: We're taking our spirit, we're taking our soul, and what goes along with that?
1: The love of the Lord.
0: We're taking the love of the Lord, we're taking that with us. We get to take that with us. What else are we taking with us? What did we see a couple of weeks ago in terms of relationships in heaven that we already know about? <coughs> You're going to recognize people in heaven, right? Yes, we're going to be taking who we are. We're going to be taking who we are.
1: Yeah, <coughs> our memory, our... We're going to have memory. We see that the martyrs are there and they remember...
0: Not they, they, know. they know why they're there. They know what's going on down here they didn't lose their identity so you're going to heaven as you are who you are that does not change god didn't create you to throw you on the heap and then make you new when you're there no think of it in terms of your dna and now you have let's let's cuz you guys are a family here let's talk about this for just a second what kind of a relationship, we talked about this a minute ago, do you guys, the four of you have right now? It's a familial relationship. It's a family relationship, right? All right. Okay. Well, guess what? You're going to know each other in heaven. Are you going to be a family in heaven? Well,
1: not, not in this sense. Okay.
0: Shaking her head no, and you're saying not in a sense. Explaining? Well, I mean, I think we're all going to be in family in heaven. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Everybody in heaven is going to be part of one big family. Well, because God is Father, right? And what's the secret that we have? So we are all His children. We are His children, right? Okay. And so there are going to be heavenly relationships. That will be exactly what we long for here, but we can't have. They don't exist here. We can't have when we talk about marriage in heaven, which we're going to get to in just a second. When we talked about that a few weeks ago, and man, the hair on the back of your neck went boom. Wait a minute! I want. Hang on. Let's get. Let's nail this down here because you know there are some relationships that we have that we really want to be. Kind of like what they are here, um, only better. Well, that's what we're going to have. With those in heaven, with those that are there with us, we are going to have perfected relationships. And it's going to be family. We're all going to be families. Brother, sister, brothers and sisters. We say that now in the body of Christ. What does the Bible call us? Brothers and sisters. It's a foreshadow of what we're going to be like relationally in heaven. So we are going to be perfectly brother and sister in Christ in heaven. We get to take the brother-sister relationship that we have in the Lord right now, in the here, in the now, and we get to take that with us. Because when we get there, I'm going to say, Woohoo, Brenda! Good to see you! I'm going to recognize you for who you are. It's going to be fabulous. And everybody that has gone before you, Brenda, that is there right now, is going to have the same experience. When you get there, they're going to go, whoo hoo,
1: Brenda!" Because what about, about our parents? They're going to say the same thing, brother and sister. Yes, yes. They're going to be our brother and sister. Absolutely.
0: And most. I more. want to say hi, mom. Not <laughs> brother.
1: Not sister. i are not, not
0: going to relate to them as mom.
1: You're not. That's I, 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 let's listen. talk about something else. My whole way of thinking. You don't go up with a sample nature.
0: There will be a reunion in heaven, and it is going to be one big family, and we are, it is going to be a familial relationship that we all have with one another, perfected, because we're going to see each other for who we are, because, let's take a look at Luke eight nineteen the heavenly relationships that we have with our parents, (coughs) our parents is going to be made perfect. And our parents, when we're teenagers, remember, we think that our parents are so dense, they just don't get it. Right? They don't get it. And yet, here's the crazy thing, though. Here's the crazy thing, you don't even understand right now. In the earthly realms, uh, 10 years from now, you're going to realize that, well, maybe they did kind of get it. Yep. And then, when you get to heaven, you're going to go, oh, we all get it. Everybody will get it. Okay? So, Luke 8, 19 through 21. Because we have to take a look at brothers and sisters. Here's another foreshadow of what we're going to be having relationships look like in heaven. Luke 8, 19 through 21. Now,
1: Jesus' mother and brother came to see him, but the Not able to get near him because of the crowd. Someone told him, Your mother and brother are standing outside wanting to see you. Jesus replied, My mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into facts.
0: Jesus said, In the here and the now, 2,000 years ago, in the moment, he said, Wait a minute, who's my brother and who's my mother? I'll tell you, my mother and my brother are anybody, anybody, he says. Who hears God's word and puts it into practice, those are my mothers and my and, and my brothers. Okay? That is a foreshadow of what he was talking about, the relationships in heaven are going to be like. It won't be mom and dad. We will be brothers and we will be sisters. But that was in the here and now because he was relating to his disciples saying, Hey, your mom and your brothers are out there. He said, Wait a minute, who are my mom and and my, and my brothers. Hey, okay. anybody who hears God's word. That's believers. Okay? Brothers and sisters. That's the analogy that is going to be that is used. And so so let's even go farther, Brenda. Let's talk about marriage, for example. Is there going to be marriage in heaven? Wait a minute before you answer that question. Think about it for just a second. Okay. Let me ask the question a different way. Is there marriage in heaven? <clears throat> me? with Christ, oh, with Christ. Well, is that a yes there is marriage in heaven are we going to be married in heaven
1: no but Jesus is going to be married so that would be a start well, you know he created us in his image all right. And in the beginning, he created Adam, and, he created there. and the intent was that you know what they had then is what we imagine heaven is going to be like—the Garden of Eden, and everything is perfect <coughs> before sin entered in. All right, but before sin entered in, there was still that relationship between a man and a woman. Uh huh. So why wouldn't it be like that up in heaven? That's kind of the picture that we're given. Because that flawed marriage relationship caused the down. Yeah, it did. But, 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 but the reason that we're going to be the reason that everything's going to go through what it's going to go through is because God's going to basically hit the reset button, and this is the way I picture it, Mm -hmm. and say, okay, now we're going to start over, and this will now, now it's going to be perfect. He's going to make it new. Right.
0: Okay, he's going to make it new. And so, and so let's take a look at what this marriage relationship looks like, because Susan said that, that there's going to be a marriage in heaven, and you said, expand uh, uh, upon that. No, I said that
1: we'll be married to Christ. We'll
0: be married to Christ.
1: That the body is the bride of Christ.
0: Okay, the body is the bride of Christ. There is a marriage. We looked at that when we studied the end times, didn't we? In fact, I think it's... It's uh, Revelation chapter 19 says that there is, there is a huge wedding <clears throat> feast, a wedding ceremony, and, and the bride of Christ is the church. Right? Whose church? Okay. Does that make you feel weird, Mike, that you're going to be a bride? <laughs> See, it's upside down. See, we think in, we think in earthly and humanly terms, don't we? But, but Jesus. Okay because we what we see throughout scripture is that Jesus is is what the bridegroom and we are the bride and that there is going to be this marriage in heaven. And so the marriage relationship that we will have very difficult to relate to that here on earth, isn't it? The marriage relationship that we are going to have will be made perfect in Christ as the groom. We are the bridegroom. We are going to be, there will be this marriage. And it's not the same marriage as you see here, because it is a perfect relationship. It is a relationship made perfect. In fact, in Matthew 22, uh, which is the next scripture reference, we're all very familiar with this passage because the Sadducees, who didn't believe in resurrection, were trying to catch Jesus and so they were talking to him about, in the day, remember, uh, we don't have to read the whole passage, but in the day, what <coughs> happened is that so if you had a brother, if you were married, okay, and, and, um, you were my brother, and, and if I, if I died, you would take my wife as He's my brother. Child. Okay? And so that, but that was common, that was the, in that culture, that's what happened. So the Sadducees said, so there were seven brothers. And they all died, okay? And so, and so the question at the end in verse 30 was, at the resurrection, or, excuse me, uh, in verse uh, 28, it says, uh, now then, at the who, resurrection, whose wife will she be of the seven, since all of them were married to her? Because now there's going to be this resurrection, and he's talking about heaven, because remember the Sadducees were trying to trap him because they were saying there is no resurrection. But if there were, okay, the trap is set for Jesus, who is this woman going to be married to? There were seven brothers. They all died, but they went to heaven. That's going to be the screwy mess, isn't it, Jesus? (laughs) And he says, no, at the resurrection, people won't even marry nor be given in marriage. They will be like the angels in heaven. The only way he could explain it to them was very specifically say, no you're not going to have a marriage relationship the way you have a marriage relationship here, and there is going to be a resurrection, and when you are resurrected, you are going to have a relationship with you, and it is going to be made perfect, but it is going to be like brother and sister in Christ. Now, maybe it is going to be closer than any other two human relationships that you have while you are there. But your relationship with Christ will be so made perfect that it will be indeed secondary, which is what Jesus wants it to be now. Because if your relationship with Christ could be perfected, but if you are working on it, your relationship with your spouse now takes on those characteristics. It's almost automatic. If you're going to be obedient to Christ, and we'll see that just in in a second, because if you turn to to Ephesians 5.21 um, it says this men love this one men love this passage submit to one another out of reverence for Christ wives submit yourselves to your husbands as you do to the Lord oh men love that one because we love to have people submit to us oh Whoa, whoa. we think about that about ruling and reigning with Christ and we take on an earthly so <clears service throat> and a big attitude about large and in charge and, and Jesus all the while teaches us no slave and servant <laughs> but we think about it in terms of being large and in charge and telling people what to do but he says in verse 23 then For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands and everything. Still sound pretty good, huh, man? But listen, husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That's total commitment, boys. That is total commitment. That is
1: is
0: self-sacrificial. And what that means is covenants. Meaning being in a covenant relationship with your wife. Oh, there isn't, a, there isn't a wife on the planet that wouldn't be so grateful to have a husband that would that would operate based on verse 25 of Ephesians 5. Love your wives as Christ loved the church. He gave it all. He loved the church so much that there wasn't anything he wasn't willing. Nothing that he wasn't willing to, to do even to die to take on and become the sin of the world for you. And, you and you and you and you and me that's what Jesus did and he's talking okay so love your wife that way what? how do you do that? Mike how do you do that? how do you love your wife that way? Mm. you don't have to answer (laughs) you don't have to answer (coughs) you don't have to answer the point of all of that is that you see that we love that passage in the one sense but we completely forget about the rest of it because it says then it says in verse 20, in twenty 28, In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own body. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church. For we are members, listen, for we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Remember that. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, it doesn't say abandoned, it says we need And will be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. And the two will become one flesh. And the two will become one flesh. Okay? This is a profound mystery, he says. But I am talking about Christ and the church. What we miss, because men go, woo hoo submit, woman. And the woman says, woo hoo love me like Christ loved the church, man. And there's the conflict. Okay? But that's not what he's talking about here. How convenient it is for us to think that way when what he's really saying is, check it out, verse 32. This is a profound mystery. He's talking about becoming one. But that's not what he's talking about. What he's talking about is, tech, is that, that he's talking about Christ and the church. Brenda, he's talking about this two becoming one. He's talking about the relationship of in heaven of believers with Christ. We will become married, in the truest sense of the word, covenant fulfilled, but perfectly. And we can't understand that now. So what we have to do is when we take a close look at verse 32 in terms of talking about Christ and the church, we also have to know that we are Christ's. So if we leave here today and we don't get anything else out of what Scripture is talking about in terms of our our relationships in heaven, We have to understand that while we're here, right now, in the here, in the now, we belong to Christ. We so belong to Christ, and he so gave everything for us. It is a picture and a foreshadow of the relationship that we are going to have with him when we are in heaven. We will belong to him, and him to us. It is a covenant of, as we might say, biblical proportion the relationship will be so perfect so imagine that, we belong to Christ and that's now and then when we get to heaven, the relationships that we are going to have are going to be centered perfectly on the relationship (coughs) of this marriage, but the marriage is with Christ and a lot of people just so miss that why is Paul addressing (coughs) Ephesians on this issue of marriage he's writing this letter to the church in Ephesus, why is he addressing the issue of marriage? And by the way, talking about it in the context of heaven. Mm -hmm. He's talking about it in the context of heaven. We belong to Christ, and it's not only a profound mystery, but he's talking about Christ in his church. In the marriage relationship. Wow. I would love to have a perfect marriage relationship with my wife. It's far from it. Nothing's not good. I love my wife. I've been married to her for almost 39 years. And I told her I'm going to stick it out for 50 and we'll reevaluate it. But, <laughs> But the point is that, that I love my wife. And I do it imperfectly. And she loves me. And we do it imperfectly. But I can't imagine being married to anybody else. I just, I just can't. I don't want to be. And it's nothing. It, 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 it is. We're going to be. I'm sure we are going to be like that in heaven, provided we're both there. And it's going to be so secondary to our relationship with Jesus. Because in Revelation 19, as I, as I said before, 19.7 um, says this, Let us rejoice, and be glad, and give him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. That's the church. And so fine linen, bright and clean, was given to her to wear. Then the angel said to me, Write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. The wedding supper of the Lamb denotes in its other places in Revelation as well about this beautiful relationship that we're going to have. There's marriage in heaven. We are the bride of Christ because we are the church and it is going to be a perfect relationship and so marriage was designed by God and he doesn't take it away. He just changes the participants. So there is going to be a marriage in heaven but it will be made perfect in our relationship with Christ and each other. Somebody said, "Well, isn't there going to be sex in heaven then?" Well, see, that's a that, that's an interesting question, though, isn't it? You see, there will be no need. There will be no need. But that's an interesting argument by, by virtue of the fact that Adam and Eve procreated. Okay, and there's nothing wrong with sexuality. Are we going to be gender-specific in heaven? Yes, we will not be transgendered. If you are a woman now, you will be a woman then. If you are a man now, you will be a man then. And you will have perfect relationships. And gender is not going to be something important. But it will be who you are. It's not going to change who you are essentially your DNA is going to remain the same. And so, the point is that we long for a perfect marriage now. We will have the perfect marriage then. It's upside down. Nowhere in Scripture does it say that those we were married to, we won't have that kind of relationship with. Because there's going to be different kinds of relationships. Because there are going to be different kinds of people. Just like there are different kinds of rewards in heaven, there will be different kinds of relationships in heaven. They will be made perfect. But we are not going to be drones. They won't be that way. You see, because we're going to have an eternity. You and I are going to have an eternity. To talk about things that, that that we have a common interest in a couple of things. We're going to have an eternity to explore those things together. It doesn't mean we're going to spend all day, every day together in heaven. It means we're going to have a relationship. And those things that God has put on our hearts that we're interested in, in terms of exploring and taking risks, You know, there will be risk takers in heaven, and there will be conservatives in heaven. That's not going to change. But the relationships will be made perfect. And so there will be love in heaven. And so what is
1: love? why don't you read that love is patient love is kind it does not envy it does not boast it is not proud it does not dishonor others it's not self-seeking it's not easily angered it keeps no record of wrongs love does not delight in evil but rejoices in the truth it always protects always trusts always hopes always preserves Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, there will cease. Where there are times, they will be still. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. Where we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what does in part disappear? When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put away of God stood behind me, for now we see only a reflection, as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part that I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain: faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love.
0: You see, God is love, and we're told that God is love. And I love this love chapter in Corinthians because we we hear it uh, and we even read it often because um, God had to tell us what <coughs> love is, you see, because all of these are, are acting items. Love is kind. If you're going to love somebody, you're going to be kind to them. And Jesus tells us to love who? Everybody. And it's really hard to love the unlovable ones, isn't it? Oh, it's so much easier just to love the ones that uh, you know what? Mark can you make it easy dude. But I mean there are some people in my life that don't. Okay? And yet Jesus said, no, but love is kind. And he has all of these descriptions of love because these are attributes of God. These are the relationships. It's a picture of what our relationships in heaven are going to be like. We won't even have to think about it because it will just be that will be natural. What is natural for us now is it's natural to boast, it's natural to be envious, it's natural to, to be unkind, it's natural to be
1: proud, it's all of these mm-hmm. things. You know what's interesting, though it doesn't say that love does not anger, it says love does not anger easily. That was interesting, I just caught that when you said that. And here's what else it
0: says, mm-hmm. because we think of this love chapter in terms of our relationships now. So I can look at Diana, for example, and I can look at my wife, for example, or I can look at Mike, for example, and I can look at this passage, and I can relate to, in the here and the now, how I'm supposed to relate to you, how I'm supposed to take action, because, because God tells me how to love you. And so these are, these are simple things, not to do, but to read and to understand, and I have to practice them. And yet, he says in verse 10, But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When we are made complete with our relationships in heaven, these things that we struggle through now, you know, if you ever been unkind to somebody? That's a sin, because it's not loving. And yet, it says that when completeness comes, that stuff that's in part difficult will disappear. It won't even be a consideration. And then, it says in verse 12, Then we shall see face to face. Then I shall know fully. That's the one, Brenda, that we keep talking about. How are we going to recognize each other? Not by how we look. by who we are. It's by who we are. And we will be fully known at that point. And love becomes manifest... In and so our relationships in heaven, we are going to take with us from here. And we are going to enjoy familial relationships on a level that is different than what we enjoy now. Because they will be made perfect, but there won't be marriage. We will not be married to each other you'll be in a relationship with God perfectly, and each other perfectly, because when completeness comes, all of that stuff that is difficult for you to have a perfect relationship now, disappears. And now you're going to see your mother, and I'm going to see my mother for who she is, and she's going to see me, and she's going to see you for who we are, in a perfect Loving relationships, and the fact that there are that those two people are our mother is not going to enter into the equation. God is going to change that in heaven, but our relationships there are the most important thing. God's word says, just like here. Our stuff isn't important. We're not taking it with us. But our relationships are important because we're going to know each other. And we're going to see each other perfectly like God sees us now. That's what we have to grasp in terms of what our relationships are going to be like. We're going to have friends and we're going to have really close relationships. And there's going to be people that we don't even know yet, because there's going to be lots of them there, and we're going to have an eternity to discover and grow and learn and more and more love will be perfected over time. Because you're not going to be in a perfect love relationship with Jesus when you get there. It is going to continue to grow, because love grows. It won't be instantaneous. But it will be perfect. And the environment will be perfect. And so, every problem that you've ever had in your marriage, my guess is, I don't know this, I can't support it biblically, but you are going to be something that goes well beyond best friends. Because you're going to be able to overcome. Because, I'm telling you, you guys got baggage that you bring into your relationship. Because you're the same as all the rest of us. (laughs) We got the baggage that we bring into it be going um. an awesome truth because verse 8 says love, this is a picture of the future, love never fails.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Tonight the take home is that we're going to heaven and we actually get to take some stuff with us relationships I mm. haven't thought about that too much but that's what the Bible teaches us and when we're there it will be made perfect and the more we focus on the love of Jesus now that is storing a treasure for us then and you know what it does I don't want to put the pressure on anybody. But, you know, because there's teenagers in the house and make it easy. The, the whole thing is is that you can't have a perfect relationship with your with your family now. Because it doesn't exist. But you can work on it in terms of your relationship with the Lord. And if you focus on your relationship with, your, with the Lord, your relationships here and now, will trickle down and you will get a foreshadow and a little taste of what the relationships in heaven. I mean a little taste, but it will be a little taste of, of what our relationships in heaven will be like. Made perfect. Next week, we're going to take a look at what are the things that we're going to do. And we're just going to spend three, one week on that. We're going to take a look at several things because there are some no practical things but the most important thing is who really cares what we're about <laughs> and even all the exploring that we're going to be able to do out into the cosmos and what our bodies are going to be like and how we might be transported all is going to be so secondary to the relationships in heaven first with God and secondly with each other when perfect so we need to take that home tonight and work on that while we're here because that is a treasure that we can store. Amen? Because we we'll never face.